0: An S-Corp is where you can potentially realize some significant tax savings. An LLC does not give you any tax savings. An LLC and a sole proprietorship are basically the same in how the IRS treats them. So that's one common myth out there is that people people think, oh, I got to get an LLC because then I'll be able to save on taxes. You don't have to have an LLC to save on taxes. You can do that as it's the same as if you're a sole proprietor.
1: Hi, and welcome to Your Selling Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Kirk, AKA Your Selling Guide. I'm a small town girl who took a big risk and quit a steady corporate desk job to travel the US in an RV. Along the way, I started selling on Amazon, grew a seven figure business, visited all the lower 48 states, bought a farm, and today I am still doing what I love to do, selling on Amazon while helping other sellers do it too. Each week, I will share Amazon tips and tricks and bring in guests to share their stories, expertise, and tips on the platforms that they use. Think of this as a sit down with your Amazon bestie where you can learn, ask, start, and grow your online selling business. Welcome to Your Selling Pod. Hey crew, and welcome back. I am so excited because when I tell you that I emailed this guest on a whim, not even knowing if he would ever respond to my email, I was beyond thrilled that he actually did. Today, I have Not Your Dad CPA, Mark II. Now, I'm sure you've heard of him. If you sell on Amazon, he has a ton of YouTube videos as well as a course for beginners who wanna get their tax stuff in order before the first tax season rolls around. When we had this podcast scheduled, I made sure to ask the community, what questions did you wanna know from Mark? So here we go. Let's welcome Mark to the podcast. Thank you, Mark, so much for coming on the podcast today. I am so excited, and just thank you. Welcome.
0: Yeah, happy to be here. Happy to get into the, the questions that people want to get out of the way so they can feel better about their uh, taxes and all that stuff. We hate to think about
1: it. Exactly. We are past it this time of year, but it's already like something you kind of have to plan for all year. Otherwise, it makes it a huge headache. How did you... Get into and become the resellers, not your dad's CPA.
0: Yeah, I'll try to give a, a quick version. I mean, I I went to school, I to college. I did business or I did accounting um, just because I, I didn't really want to, I don't know. I wasn't very creative. I didn't want to do science. I didn't want to do math. I, my dad did accounting. So I was like, well, I, I guess I'll just do that. But I, so I ended up working for a public accounting firm for a couple years. I did not love it. Went back to school for an MBA. And then got into corporate finance, uh, which was okay. But I I still always wanted to do something else on the side. So I was like, well, what can I do? You know, what skills do I have? And I said, well, I am a CPA. I did go through all that. So why not just try to do some taxes on the side? See if it's something that I enjoy. Even though I never thought that was a direction that I really wanted to go. um, But I started doing that on the side. I started doing some personal finance blogging and those two worlds kind of just came together because you know through the personal finance contacts that I made I ended up on a a podcast for eBay sellers this was in like 2016 I was like I didn't even know people still sold on eBay that much and then it just kind of snowballed from there and I I started getting reseller clients and finally I just decided you know what I'm going I think I'm going to niche down on this space because it's really cool And I think I'd like to try it myself as well. So I started selling on Amazon, you know, and just acquiring more and more reseller clients. And that's uh, that's what I do now.
1: Nice. So is it only Amazon that your platform that you sell on?
0: I've only ever done Amazon FBA because really for me, that's the only model that really works because I put so much time into my CPA side. With the FBA, I only have to ship in, you know, product to Amazon every few months with the way I do it. Um, are, it's it's just a much smaller business for me.
1: Oh, for sure. I it's I love that you know, you know, you're doing it so you know what you're talking about when you talk to the other resellers. Do you? Yeah. I'm just gonna ask like a couple quick questions because I'm interested mm-hmm. to know. Are you doing retail arbitrage? Or are you doing like a wholesale model or what are you?
0: I do private label. Nice. So just really simple products that I source from China under one private label brand that I that I created. Which, if you haven't done it before, that sounds like really fancy, but it's really not. It's really simple. But yeah, I just so I just order uh, quantities, like mass quantities of like a few different products and ship those into Amazon every few months. Um, so that's all I've ever done, but my clients, you know, do everything. You know, I see I have clients who do consignment or wholesale or drop shipping or retail arbitrage or What's the other arbitra- arbitrage? Online? Online arbitrage. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There's like so many different things you can do these days.
1: Okay. That is a great segue because with all of those different platforms and all the way people model, what are some of the like very basic, like, cause you know, most of us sellers, this is kind of our first foray into business, running a business, owning a business in general. So we don't know what we're doing as far as taxes. What are some of the things that sellers should put into place? And at like what point is there like a certain time frame that you should do those things?
0: Yeah. And what I, what I don't want to do is scare anybody away because words like arbitrage and like any of these words, manufacturing wholesale, it's like, Oh my gosh, like this guy probably couldn't be my CPA or something. But in reality, most of my, I'd say the majority of my clients are somewhere from like beginner to, I don't know, intermediate beginner. You know, I do have a lot of, clients who are above six figures, maybe up into the millions, but I'd say the majority are below six figures because I mean, that's where everybody starts. The easiest place to start is just, I think most people fall, at least from my experience, it seems like most people just kind of fall into this. They're like, oh, I got some old stuff around the house. You know, it's the pandemic. What else am I going to do? I'm just going to go sell sell my old stuff. And then they think, oh man, you know, that wasn't as hard as I thought and actually made some extra money. I think I'm gonna sell the rest of my stuff, or I think I'm gonna go try and buy some stuff at the uh, the thrift store, Goodwill or whatever it is. And I mean, they they might not even know what thrifting is when they're doing it. And then if they're like me, they start searching stuff online, and you get onto YouTube, and you're like, oh my gosh, there's like all these influencers and just regular people who are out there showing their stuff that they sold. Like when I saw those videos from the first time for the first time, the sourcing videos. I was like, how does this video have like 100,000 views? Who watches this stuff? But it's like a it's like a thing and it's still a huge opportunity. I don't know if I answered your question, but that's what I was thinking <laughs> when you were asking me.
1: Yeah, because I can't tell you how many times, like even myself, when you first start out, it's like you don't know what you're getting into. So there's the people like me. So when I start, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to save all my receipts and I'll figure it out later. Like I knew that much to save all my receipts. Have I ever given to us? No. Never give them to anyone, but I kept my receipts. But then there's the people who come to me that like want their like stuff in a row right away. And I, since that's not how I work, I don't necessarily know how to direct people in that. I'm like, uh, I don't like I did my own taxes for the first two years on TurboTax. I literally, I loved it because it would be like, enter this here. Like literally walk you through how to like, get this stuff. And then it'd take me a day to get all the stuff, come back to that one step. Um, but for the people who want to get all their stuff, or maybe they've been doing this for like, this will be their first tax year coming around. What should we be doing? Did I need to save all my receipts? Like, was that a thing?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I was talking about how people get started, but for yeah, like financial or tax side, a lot of people end up doing nothing because it's just so overwhelming, they think it's going to be complicated, but really it's, it's not that bad. I, and I, my, my. my basic advice is, As soon as you can, just make sure that you separate your business income, like your business activity, which includes your income and expenses, separate that from your personal activity. And usually that just means getting a separate bank account. And it doesn't even have to be a separate, it doesn't even have to be a business account necessarily. Just open up a separate account that you link your eBay account to or whatever platform you're selling through business credit cards or whatever just just separate it out so later you can come back and have all those income and expenses in one place and you're not having to like you know separate out all the business from the personal cuz you don't want to risk either overstating your income which would increase your taxes or understating your income which would put you in the IRS crosshairs you know for underreporting yeah first first just get it all separated and then you can talk about you can think about bookkeeping later which would mean either layering on some type of automated bookkeeping system or just further categorizing though that activity in a spreadsheet or something like that. So it could be as simple as a spreadsheet or a logbook all the way up to something like QuickBooks Online, which is a more robust uh, bookkeeping program. And there's everything in between.
1: Have you used or do you have um, clients who use Wave? I think that's what it's called. I think that's the free one. Right? Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, Wave Accounting is a is a really good free option i mean one of the reasons it's good is because it's free but it's also good because it's a it's also a robust bookkeeping system similar to quickbooks online it doesn't have as many like integrate third party app integration options but for most resellers and most small businesses it's i think it could be sufficient if you're willing to kind of go through the learning curve of learning how to how to do it
1: when if someone's looking um to hire someone either as a bookkeeper or a CPA, is there things that they should look for? Because I've always said, while we think that what we're doing, because we are the first time, you know, business owners and all that, we think it's weird and crazy and no one's going to understand. But most, it's just business taxes. So most people do. So I know before we chatted before uh, briefly about the differences between a CPA and an E. I don't even know what it's called, but it starts with an E. So what is something that, um, people should look for or ask or what are the questions?
0: I think you just want to find somebody who you feel like understands what you do. I mean, they don't necessarily have to be, they don't have to specialize in reselling or have that focus like I do. They just have to understand that it's an inventory-based business and be familiar with what that means for taxes because it's not its not super difficult, honestly, but some some CPAs or tax preparers are intimidated because they think maybe there's something that they don't know. Um, So I would say if I I have a lot of people who come to me and they they feel like that they were ending up having to teach their CPA. I've heard that a hundred times. Like I feel like I was having to teach them, Um, and and that doesn't leave you feeling all that confident. So you just you just want to feel like the person, the professional who's helping you understands your situation i say that's the biggest thing. And, and yeah, so, so I'm a CPA. You had mentioned um, an EA, which stands for Enrolled Agent. So, so that is a person who's certified or, or receives, what is it? It's the highest certification awarded by the IRS for a tax preparer. The difference or the description that I heard one time is uh, a CPA is sort of like the education you have to go through. It's a mile wide and an inch deep. But an EA is specifically tax focused. So it's an inch wide and a mile deep when it comes to taxes. So they're like tax specialists. Whereas if you're a CPA, you could maybe specialize in auditing, in financial consulting, uh, or, or taxes is one as well. So, you, I mean, you can get that specialty, but it's, you just want to make sure that if you do hire a CPA that they actually prepare taxes.
1: That's I, we were talking, and I was like, okay, I just need someone to tell me what to do. I don't want to be the one telling them what to do. And so that you just hit right on the head, like that's exactly it. Like, <laughs> and I've looked to your pricing, and your pricing is I've I've shopped around for these things. So his pricing is really legit. So it's definitely worth it for the whole robust of everything that he's able to do, and he understands you. Okay, so I went through and asked the community online what questions they had. I said, I'm talking to a tax professional, like what are all your questions? So I'm going to ask you some of their questions because some of them I think I know, but obviously I'm no tax professional. I was actually super excited to hear that your piece of advice was to separate because I've been saying that from day one, like you got to keep everything separated, even if it's... I had a regular old personal checking account that I opened specifically for my business. I didn't get a business checking account for years later. So I was like, Hey, I, I have been learning. <laughs> the number one question that has come up a lot in the group. So is how do you properly hire your kids or spouse?
0: That's a good one. I mean, it can be a good tax strategy. So if your kids are, I believe it's if they're under 18 years old, if you hire them as employees, then those wages are not subject to payroll tax. So they don't have to, they're not, those, that income is not subject to Social Security and Medicare, which usually when we get a paycheck, we see that those, those are being deducted out. Uh, with your kids, that's not the case. So then that only leaves income tax, but they're only subject to income tax if the income exceeds the standard deduction, which I think is around $13,000 now. So that's why you always hear people say, oh, if you pay your kids less than $12,000, $13,000, they don't have to pay taxes. And that's why, because the standard deduction wipes, wipes all that out.
1: Okay. That I, that's what I had heard that there's a certain amount, but I didn't know what it was. So that makes total sense. And then if, if you're going to hire your spouse, then it would just be like a normal.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could hire them as an employee, which means that they're on payroll. They're having social security and Medicare deducted from their paycheck. Or you could hire them as a contractor, but that means they don't get a W-2. They instead get a 1099 and they're subject to self-employment tax, which is not necessarily what you want to do. Yeah, that's that's one you'd have to look at case by case. I mean, in, in a lot of cases, it's like, you know, unless they, you're, if you're married filing jointly, it's like the business is getting a deduction, but then your spouse is having to recognize that income. So then those things just offset each other. So it's like, you really want to hire them anyway, why not just, I don't know, make them work for free. And then if you're filing jointly, all the income goes to the same place anyway. So that one just depends what you're trying to do.
1: Okay. That makes sense. I know another person had a question. So on, in my business, I have one employee and then everyone else I, we pay by contractor. We have like a gusto, you know, payment process and they go through, but you are able to pay through PayPal too, correct? Right. Cause then PayPal does that 1099 thing for you.
0: Yeah, I, I think, I believe that takes the place if you, if you pay through a payment processor like PayPal, since they end up issuing that, that 1099K, which reports those wages to the IRS. But yeah, there's no problem with paying your uh, contractors through PayPal. Yeah, the issue as to whether you have to then give them a 1099, I don't think you have to because I think, I think the 1099K might take the place of that.
1: So last year, at the end of the year, I recorded a video about income tax. And that everyone basically who sells on Amazon was going to get a 1099 because the IRS had lowered it to $600. And then literally like the day after Christmas, they changed the rule. Is it, is that still how it's going to be? Or is, is now this year in 2024 for 2023, if you sold over 600, you'll get one.
0: Yeah. I, I had done the same thing. I had recorded a video a few days before, and then they changed it last minute, right before the end of the year. Because it, yeah, it was going to be $600. And then they delayed that to twenty twenty three. So as of right now in twenty twenty three, that's still going to be the rule. Everybody who has uh, who has sold over a hundred over six hundred dollars on any given platform is supposed to get a ten ninety nine um which is which is also reported to the IRS. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there still freaking out about that threshold. So my guess is that the IRS might get a lot of pressure and they might end up raising it for twenty twenty three. But as of right now, as far as I know, it's still that 600.
1: Yeah, I figured the amount of like PayPal people and Amazon that they were going to all that paperwork they're going to have to do that. It makes sense when the big corporations are like, whoa. (laughs) So that's still TBD. We'll find out probably in December (laughs) what's going to be. Yeah, Uh, but that was real fun having to redo.
0: (laughs) Well, that's probably one worth touching on a little more just because it in theory it, it shouldn't affect us as resellers because we're supposed to report our income regardless of whether we receive a 1099 or not like the people who it's really affecting is eBay and PayPal and all those companies who have to deal with the paperwork like you said and send all that out that's a huge burden on them it it might come as a surprise to to someone who a lot of people think that if they don't get a 1099 like that they don't have to report that income but but they do. And that's what the IRS is trying to do is get more visibility to who's not paying when they should be paying.
1: Yeah, that was that's one of the questions I get a lot is like, well, I didn't get it. Do I have to report it? And I'm like, yes, I can't remember. What is the actual is it six hundred dollars like any money over six hundred is what you're. Yeah, it
0: used for? to be two. it used to be twenty thousand dollars and two hundred transactions minimum. But now it's just if you've sold over or received over six hundred dollars. Um, that's the new threshold.
1: Yeah. So just because you're not reporting it does not mean that that is the legal way to do. So definitely make sure you are keeping track of everything. In fact, I think it was in 2020, Amazon, my 1099 was missing three months, just completely missing. And I was selling and they didn't send me a corrected one, even after I asked them. And so you can't rely on those anyways. Like it's not,
0: that's the other dumb (laughs) thing is most of the time, they're not going to be, they're not a reflection of what you sold necessarily. They're just a reflection of what the payment processor processed. So it could include sales tax, it could include returns that that were never taken out of that number. So that's that's another thing. Like you have to still do kind of a reconciliation on your tax return so that the IRS knows what was actually income and what wasn't. So that's fun. I was gonna say another reason to consider potentially hiring someone if you have no idea what you're doing.
1: Yeah, exactly. That is when people freak out, they're like, I didn't make that much. And I'm like, I know it's, that's not, it's literally all the money they've sent you. That doesn't like, it's not taking out your cost of goods and all the fees. Like it's just the money that's processed through. Um, I can't tell you how much stress relief I have that the last four years, I've not done my own taxes. So it's not expensive to hire a tax person you guys. It is totally worth it because that headache that that sits it's like sitting on your shoulder for months that you have to do this and for me I'm like I don't know, I sent it to her. I'm good. Like <laughs> so it's just it's worth it to have a tax professional, a CPA looking at your stuff and doing that stuff because for a lot of us business owners, that's not our expertise. That's not our fun place, but for these people it is their expertise, so why not let them do it? There's nothing quite like that sound of a new order coming through on your Amazon account. But do you know how much you're actually making on those orders? Your Selling Podcast is excited to partner with Sellerboard. Sellerboard is an accurate profit analytics for Amazon sellers as well as eBay. With just a quick login to the app or your dashboard on a desktop, you can see what your true numbers are for all of your Amazon orders by the day, week, or month. I love to use it to forecast out how I'm going to do that month and use it for my planning. Sellerboard doesn't just tell you your profit though, they actually do so much more. So if you're creating a private label listing or you're making your own bundles, you can use Sellerboard to get reviews for your product pages. Sellerboard is a robust profit analytics tool and I use it every day in my Amazon business. You can try Sellerboard yourself. Connect it to your Amazon or eBay accounts and see how it works for you. Get two months free by going to yoursellingguidecom Profit. Again, that's yoursellingguidecom Profit. Try Sellerboard today and get the true profit picture of how your business is doing. Do I need to save every single receipt? That was another question, <laughs>
0: and that's a common one. And Maybe. The answer is maybe. So the IRS does want you to have some type of documentation or substantiation of every single transaction you have in your business, which can seem overwhelming. And it's it's just that a receipt is usually the most available type of substantiation that we have. Uh, but it, I mean, it could be a, I don't know, an invoice or a, a check, or like a, if you take a picture of something, that's substantiation. Uh, it could be a bank statement you know, that's a form of substantiation. It just might not be as detailed as a receipt. So receipts are just the most common. So I wouldn't okay. would say you have to have a receipt for every transaction, but you you should have some type of documentation for every transaction. A, a potential follow-up question is, well, what about a garage sale or a flea market where they don't give receipts? Like in, in that case, just, you know, get another form of substantiation, even if worst case scenario, it's just you recording the details in a logbook. Or something in a notebook where you the date, uh, you know the item, the location, the price, just the, those basic things.
1: Smart. that's um, I know back when I worked in the corporate world, if you lost a receipt, they would make you like fill out a form. so it's basically the same thing. like
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Another question from the community, do I need tax jar if I only sell on Amazon? Is there a tax report I can pull? from either Amazon or Inventory Lab or something like that.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know exactly what TaxJar specializes in these days since, you know, before, just, just within the last couple of years, the platforms didn't collect sales tax for us for every state. But I think that's pretty much the, ca- the case now. Like Amazon, eBay, Poshmark, Mercari, they're all collecting sales tax on the majority of our sales, which is kind of what TaxJar was trying to do, help us with mm-hmm. before. I mean, if you sell on Shopify, that's not considered to be a marketplace facilitator, which means that they're not required to collect sales tax uh, on our behalf. That's something you have to set up manually and kind of do it yourself. So I think texture might might help with that. But in general, yeah, i don't I don't think if you're selling on one of the big platforms, Amazon, eBay, Shopify, no, no, sorry, Amazon, eBay, Poshmark, Etsy, then I, yeah, I don't think you would need it because it's just all being done automatically for you.
1: Yeah, that's what I I used to use it way back when because of those it it made it easy to report it to the states. But now there's it's just it's a nice knowledge base. But if you're selling on the big ones, I don't think you would need it. Another follow up question, which just goes right along with it, but it was from someone else. Am I supposed to be remitting sales tax on Amazon even if it's zero? I'm gonna say this is assuming they have a sales tax license. Otherwise, you wouldn't right.
0: Yeah, this is this is one that's. I mean, it might be changing, but yeah, if you're not if you haven't registered for a sales tax license or a sales tax permit, same thing, then then you you can't file sales tax returns. The only reason you you would sign up for a sales tax permit now is if you're trying to get a reseller certificate, which is basically something you can give to your vendor or to your wholesaler that says that you're a reseller and that they don't need to charge you sales tax because you're gonna charge sales tax or sales tax will be charged to your customers or the people you sell to through the platform.
1: Yeah, so that's what, yeah, so we can use them. I use it at Walmart, you know, TGMX Marshalls, they take them, no problem. But then when I do have to file, so I have to file my sales taxes because I have that permit and every month I file Zero. I like file whatever I sold on Amazon, and then I do again under the Marketplace Facilitator, and then it zeroes out. It's really kind of pointless. But my state, they told... I highly recommend anyone listening to call your state because it might seem like it's big government, but they are super helpful people on the phone that you get. And I've called a few states. Mm. And she... She told me that I can physically mail a piece of paper in requesting that you only do it once a year instead of every month, because it's kind of annoying to do every month in zero. I have heard of some States. I'm not sure if you have heard of this too, that some States are, they're not, they're making it harder to actually get a sales tax because they don't want all that extra paperwork for us filing zero, which would suck for us if we have to pay sales tax, but
0: (laughs) yeah, I think. I think states are starting to address it now because, yeah, since the platform is collecting for you and yet you're still registered. So they expect you to file sales tax returns, even though it doesn't make sense because it's just all zeros. So, yeah, one thing you said is is a really good suggestion, because in the beginning, they either assign you a monthly filing frequency or a quarterly filing frequency or maybe annual, but if if you're not annual, then you should call them and request to be put on annual because a lot of times they'll switch you over and then you don't have to do that. You don't have to jump through that hoop, a pointless hoop so many times throughout the year. And I just heard from one um, one person told me just last week that their state told them that since they're a reseller, and then since, that, since that's pretty much all they do, that they didn't have to file at all. Huh. So I don't know if... don't know if that person was understanding correctly or if the states are finally starting to understand like this doesn't make sense if the the sales tax is already being paid and filed on their behalf by amazon or whoever does it really make sense for them to have to do it too yeah that's
1: how i am thinking so i'm gonna have to physically mail in like olden times all these tax things are in olden times where i had to physically mail in it's not even like a city it's just a zip code that's like (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, another hot question. What can I claim as a write-off? Now I could just leave it open-ended like that, but they wanted to specifically know about like home office type things. But what do you have to say about that?
0: Yeah, we'll just start with that one. I mean, home office is a, a good one. So I've heard one in one in three, like one in three Americans anyway, are, you know, have some kind of side side job, side gig, side hustle. And a lot of resellers work from home. A lot of resellers use their garage for storage or use an extra room for storage or their workspace, taking pictures. So if, if anybody claims the home office deduction, I think it's perfect for a reseller. And basically, you just have to have a space that is that you use regularly and exclusively for your business. And then you can basically deduct. Well, there's two ways you can do it. You can either just take $5 per square foot up to 300 square feet. That's the simplified home office deduction and if you don't want to keep track of all your utilities or your property tax payments and stuff like that, you just want to go with the max of $1,500 and call it good, that's all you got to do. You could potentially get, I mean, some people use their whole basement and that could be 50% of their whole whole home and if that's the case and they want to take the regular home office deduction, you can take 50% of your—you uh, know your mortgage interest or rent, your property taxes, your utilities. You can get a bunch of depreciation. Um, so it, it can be a really substantial deduction. So it's worth keeping track of those shared home expenses. And yeah, I mean, we could we could go deeper into that, but I'll, I just, I just sure. want to emphasize that it's, it's definitely worth making sure you qualify for that.
1: Are there other deductions or things that people that you've seen your clients don't necessarily know about that are deductions?
0: There's a lot of deductions for the most part. Anything that you are, uh, any expense you're incurring on behalf of your business is going to be deductible or at least partially deductible. Mileage is a big one that people might fail to track. But yeah, for resellers, like a lot of people are going outsourcing. Some people are traveling to other states, other cities. So so mileage is a really uh, potentially significant deduction for your business. So that's one. I mean, and then like cost of goods sold or or your inventory, I'll say. It, well, what's the main product we have? It's our inventory. You go out and purchase it. that the purchase of that inventory is probably going to be the biggest deduction you have. So that's why it's so important that you figure out a way to track it. and i have I have some videos on that where where I really dive into the specifics of inventory and stuff. but uh, yeah, that's that's one you have to figure out. Everybody has to figure out how to manage it. So I say just make the 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 tax piece of that. A part of your inventory process, like tracking the costs and things like that. Yeah. I mean, then you just have all your regular supplies. You probably you might have software subscriptions. Maybe you take a a course from me about how to optimize your tax situation for you as a reseller. Yeah, I don't know. Meals are another deduction potentially. So for meals, you have you for it to be deductible, you typically either have to be on, you have to be traveling or and when I say traveling, I mean out of state, overnight, or it has to be part of a business meet a business meeting. Otherwise, like normal, just day-to-day in-town sourcing meals are not going to be deductible if they're not part of a meeting or tra- or overnight travel. But um, yeah, advertising, I mean all, all those regular business expenses. I mean, I I just want to say like, oh, all the all the normal stuff you'd think of, but I don't there's probably people out there who are like, I'm not thinking of anything. I don't know
1: i can tell you that that was one of the biggest eye openers of being a first-time business owner was just the sheer amount of stuff that you can deduct and i was like i get it now i get why everyone opens businesses like
0: yes i mean you have your income you have all your expenses and then you have your profit so the profit is the piece that's subject to tax so all those expenses you're incurring most of them are going to be deductible
1: okay Transitioning still with cost of goods. How are we supposed to handle like returned or damaged inventory or things that we buy that we don't end up selling?
0: So it depends on the inventory. If it was damaged and you can't sell it, then it's just going to be a deduction for what you purchased it for. So you won't have any income, but you'll still be able to deduct the original cost of what you paid for it. So that goes for if it's damaged, if you just disposed of it. Um, that's the same as if you donated it. That's another question. So if you donate your inventory, you just deduct the original cost as cost of goods sold. If you decide to keep it for yourself, you don't get to deduct anything. It's kind of like as if you never purchased it.
1: Okay. So that's interesting. So the donation part, it's, I don't even need a receipt that I donated it because I have the receipt that I bought it. Is that if I'm following right?
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd feel comfortable... If that's all you have, then I would still deduct it, I suppose. I mean, if you want to be super conservative and safe, then like in theory, someone could look at, like an auditor could look at that, look at that and say, well, I don't see that you ever sold this. So why did you deduct it? You could say, well, I donated it. and They could say, well, show me that you donated it.
1: Right. The, okay. the chances yeah.
0: that that ever happen are extremely low. But in theory, that could happen.
1: That's why I have receipts and envelopes under my bed, because yeah,
0: well, <laughs> <laughs> And that's another one. You don't necessarily have to keep them on your bed because th- you could lose them or they could fade over time. So I usually tell people just like take a picture or scan it, stick it in like a, on, in Dropbox or on the cloud somewhere and call it good.
1: Nice. Oh, that's a good tip because I've stopped doing that. So maybe I need to get back to doing that. <laughs> what are some of the advantages of having an LLC for your Amazon or whatever reselling business?
0: Yeah, there are a few reasons you might want to do an LLC, um, but you definitely don't need to feel like you have to have it from day one before you even start. I mean, it depends on your situation. Like the, the main benefit of an LLC is the liability protection. But if you're someone who sells a few hundred dollars worth of clothing items on eBay every year, you don't necessarily need that liability protection. It's not very risky. And like in California, an LLC costs a minimum of $800 a year. So you don't really necessarily want to get in over your head right from the beginning. But sometimes vendors or banks, they might not work with you in certain circumstances if you're not an LLC. I don't think that's very common. Sometimes people just want to sort of elevate the le- the perceived legitimacy of their business by having an LLC. But I mean, the reason that I like the LLC is because it's a stepping stone to an S-Corp. And an S-Corp is where you can potentially realize some significant tax savings. An LLC does not give you any tax savings. An LLC and a sole proprietorship are basically the same in how the IRS treats them. So that's one common myth out there is that people, people think, oh, I got to get an LLC because then I'll be able to save on taxes. You don't have to have an LLC to save on taxes. You can do that as it's the same as if you're a sole proprietor.
1: I've heard that there's like a certain income level that you're a profit level, which would make you want to do an S-corp, right?
0: Yeah. So it's, and it's not as cut and dry as it used to be, but I still tell people at least start to look into it or consider it when you hit the annual profit range of, you know, anywhere above 30 or $40,000 profit per year. Once you're there and you're, think you're going to stay there or continue to grow it's it's probably time to, to either convert to an S corp or look into it because the S corp earnings so the profits are not subject to self-employment tax so self-employment tax that's this is something in addition to the regular federal and state income tax that we we're, that we're used to seeing so as our own person as someone who's self-employed we don't have an employer who's withholding Social Security and Medicare from our paychecks. So when you're self-employed, the IRS hits you with that in the form of self-employment tax, and it's essentially 15% of your profits. Which, when people start selling on eBay or start a, a business where they're self-employed, that often comes as a pretty big shock the first year. You know, you make $10,000, and then 1500 of it goes to self-employment tax, and then if you're if the rest if your income tax is about 15%, that's another 1500 1500 for a total of like 30%. That's a, that's a a third of your income of uh, 30 of your profit. So with an S corp, you, you do have to pay yourself a W2 salary, which is how the IRS gets some of those payroll slash self-employment taxes, but all your profit left over after that is not subject to that. So, so you can save, you know, 15, 20, $25,000, depending on where your income's at. Every Is year. that
1: something um, that you do with your clients? Like you look at it and say, "Hey, you should be looking to becoming an S corp or vice versa."
0: Yeah, every year. Like I might get, I I got some new clients this past year, and they their profit, their on their sole proprietorship was you know sixty, seventy, maybe hundred thousand dollars, maybe one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and I'll say, um, "I think it's probably time for you to be an S corp," because you know this past year you could have saved. Fifteen thousand dollars, and they'll say, "Well." And sometimes you can go back and change that. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have to say, "Well," you know. Oh well. At least I know I can do it every year going forward.
1: Okay. Last question: What do we do about our cash back rebates that we're getting? Are we f- claiming those? Like what?
0: <laughs> this is one um, I want to do a video on because it it depends. So the IRS treats cash back and stuff like that as discounts. So it's kind of as if you had a coupon for twenty percent off, and you took it and you bought something, and you got you got you got it for eighty percent. Only they're giving it to you after the fact, so it's it, so it's not taxable in general. The the thing I see with resellers is they'll go buy, let's say, ten thousand dollars worth of inventory, and then I don't know, may, let's say they get thousand dollars cash back a month later. Well, what what cost did they assign to the inventory? Usually, they assigned it the full ten thousand dollars. So they're deducting $10,000 when really with that $1,000 discount, which is how the IRS treats it, they should have only assigned a cost of $9,000. So if they leave it as is, if they deduct the full $10,000 as inventory, they're deducting a portion of that that they shouldn't have deducted. So when they get the cash back, I have them treat it as taxable income. But if they had treated it, if they had assigned a cost of $9,000, then when they get the, the cash back of $1,000, it would be tax-free so i don't i don't i i never know if i say that very well which is why it's like next on my to-do list to make a video like going through showing that how that works
1: no that makes total sense to me that was easy that was a great breakdown that was easy to follow um, okay,
0: thanks i'm getting better yeah <laughs> the first time i tried to explain it i just came off not making any sense at all
1: so why don't you go over like what from like the smallest to I know you have a lot of free videos on YouTube to like what you offer as far as your not my dad's CPA courses and guides.
0: Yeah. So if you just want to if you have questions, I mean, I I don't have a ton of videos, but I, I'm going to try and be more consistent going forward. But I do. Yeah. Not your Dad CPA YouTube channel. Um, I have a free Facebook group called Accounting for Online Sellers, a group that has some decent engagement, a lot of experienced people in there, um, for, for any tax or accounting questions you might have. And I try and chime in when I can. Um, and then I have my reseller tax Academy course, which is my main course that I would recommend to somebody who's, who's beginning or maybe who's even intermediate. You know, I just go through all the different important reseller deductions. A lot of things we've talked about, and I just drill in deeper, all the different tax you're subject to, you know, income tax, self-employment tax, sales tax, you know, do you have to worry about audits? LLC, S Corp, you know, partnership, sole pressure, all, all that stuff, resellertaxacademy.com. com. yeah, that's that's where I would start. And then I just I still do tax preparation, the the basic stuff every year for a lot of my clients. So a lot of different resources. Notyourdadcpa.com.
1: Nice. I'll link all of this, uh, the Facebook group, all of it in the show notes so that you guys can just easily click through and join it. Thank you so much for coming on and answering all of these questions because I, I do every video when I talk about anything tax-wise. I'm, like, I'm not a professional. I'm not a professional. I don't know. Like, make sure you run everything by someone because that's the last thing you want to be in trouble with is the IRS. So I really appreciate you going through the community members' questions as well as my own.
0: Yeah. Happy to help. And I, And I think, I mean, now, even though we're like heading into summer, this is probably when people are least thinking about this stuff. But kind of like you mentioned at the beginning, this might be the time when they should be this is one of the best opportunities to get on top of it. So I mean, if anybody does watch this and really does take action, they're ahead of the game because I mean, what do most of us do? We wait until December, Jan- Well, probably January, right? Or maybe, maybe April. I don't know. And then we're scrambling, but that's what we're trying to avoid. We're trying to avoid the the stress and the scrambling at the end of the year.
1: Yes, for sure. I'm I have I go through it in the summer. I do it twice a year. Like, I just want to make sure, because I don't want any surprise bills (laughs) that I wasn't planning for.
0: Exactly. Yeah, thanks.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for watching. As I mentioned, all of the links to Mark and Not Your Dad CPA are all in the show notes, so you can just head there to click directly and see what he offers and how it can work for you and your business. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. Please be sure to like, comment, and subscribe if you are watching this on YouTube and leave me a review wherever you're listening to the podcast. It really means a lot to me and it helps me reach a new audience. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, I wanna chat with you. Email me at podcast at and I will set you up with an appointment to record an interview. Until next week, happy sourcing.